0: Hello everyone from uh, Sunrise Community Church. We are uh, the ones who uh, were part of your guys' launch, but man, it is just so amazing and great to just look out and see so many people who have no idea who Sunrise Community Church is. That is, uh, that is the goal. That's the idea, right? Is, is that there has been multiplication, there has just been duplication, and you just see God's fruit here, and we're just so thankful for everyone who uh, has just been doing so much here at Amago. I get to uh, share with you guys the Advent ca- uh, candle. I always say calendar, because we have several out of my house, and my boys remind me every morning, can we do it? Can we do it? Can we do it? So that's always top of mind, but uh, the Advent candle uh, together and so uh, we are on the third candle, the pink candle, actually, if you can see that. And uh, this symbolizes the shepherd's candle. This is the, the candle that represents joy and the birth of Jesus. And so we light this and remember the joy that comes with his story and how his story affects our story. And so um, we're going to be focusing all about that today is uh, Jesus's story. And so we remember the joy that comes with that of any birth, but especially his birth. And so uh, I want to pray for us as we jump into God's word, and then we will get right into it. So, will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you so much for your love, for your joy, for the fact that you cared enough about us to not leave us in our mess, but to interrupt history and in humanity and bring to us heaven. To bring us uh, your will, your, your justice, your care, your grace down from heaven and into our lives. We thank you for you, what you did 2,000 years ago, but we are also so grateful and thankful and joyful and hopeful for what you're going to do today. So help us to hear your word today, to be transformed by your word. Not to be just information, but transformation in our hearts and minds. And help us to shine your light and your love more today than we did yesterday. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I love Christmas time. It is such a fun time of the lights, of the decorations, of the smells, the, just everything. I love the treats that are out there, the fact that most of us uh, do not worry about calories anymore. Uh, because it's sweater weather and no one's going to care or see anyways, right? So you just throw on the sweater and everyone looks the same. You're counting calories? I can't tell, right? It's just such a great and fun time of of just being joyful and having so much uh, fun with one another. And uh, it seems like just the problems of the world, just for like a month, quiet down a little bit. They're still there, right? There's still a lot going on in our world, still a lot of problems before about a month, it just seems to dull down. It's like something else is going on. See, this has kind of been a theme in my life. My whole life, um, around Christmas time, it just seems like the problems kind of quiet down a little bit. It just calms down a little bit. I didn't know much as a kid. Um, you could just end it there. But um, I especially didn't know much about money, um, other than I knew that we didn't have a lot. Uh, you know, see, growing up, I knew that, we didn't have everything that we needed. There would be some times that we'd have enough, and there would be several times where we didn't have enough at all. Uh, there would be some times you wake up and just the gas is out. And you're just like, okay, I guess we don't have gas anymore. And then a couple of weeks on later, it would turn back on. And I just, my parents just, they were young, right? They, they, they were just figuring out their lives. And all of a sudden, there was two kids that they had to care for. And so every parent knows the stress and, and, and just, you know, fear that comes with that and anxiety. And so they were trying to figure it out the best they could. But I knew enough to know that we didn't have a lot of money. But it seemed like every Christmas, we always had enough. Which is like backwards than most people would think, right? You think you struggle through the year, you're especially going to struggle during Christmas. But it was weird as a kid. That's why I was such a true believer of the Christmas spirit. It was like there's no other explanation. I mean, we're, we're broke all the time. I'm constantly being told what we can't have. Uh, but during Christmas time, all of a sudden, we have plenty. I don't get it, right? So there must be some magic here. And so every Christmas morning, I remember waking up and there would always be gifts there. There was always stockings full. And I just think, wow, this is crazy. And then we'd get to go to my Grandpa Gary's house, Grandpa Wallace's house. And I'd go to his house, and he would have even more presents for us. And the stockings would be even more full at his house. And he was like competition to Santa, right? Like going to his house was just so much joy. He would decorate right after Thanksgiving. Like the moment that we were done eating the turkey, he was pulling out the tubs. Uh, He loved Christmas so much. And, and that feeling of joy, of Christmas, uh, still affects me today, but for a much different reason. See, once uh, my wife and I had Titus, my oldest son, uh, my dad, he took me out. He said, I'm going to teach you a new tradition. And I said, okay, you know, what, what is this? And uh, he said, all right, we're going to go to Toys R Us, back before it was an empty building uh, here in Visalia. Yeah. Um, and we went there, and he, we got the shopping cart, and Titus is the first grandson on that side of the family, and so you know that he's in trouble, right? Um, so we're going through there, and he's just piling in the toys. And I'm saying, Dad, this is too much. Like, this is just way too much. This is more than we can afford. And Cheryl and I, we're, we're young parents. We're broke, right? Like, we can't buy him all this. And he said, Don't worry about it. Just Just put things in. And so we get to the very end. We check out. He swipes his card. We put it in the back of his car, and I said, "Dad, this is this is a lot. This is a lot. This is way more. You know, you're gonna <laughs> overshadow us like ten times." And he said, "I want to tell you about a tradition that started when you were a kid." He said, "Your your grandfather used to do this with me." He said, yeah, "We would go out and uh, we would buy a bunch of things, and half of it would go to our house, and half of it would go to his house." He says, "And that's how we had Christmas." And all of a sudden all those mornings clicked in my head. I was like, I get it. Like, because even as an adult, I was like, I don't understand how you guys did it. Did you guys just go into massive debt? You know, were you unwise with your money in that way? And, and I started to understand, no, all those moments were my grandpa saying, I love you, right? Uh, of, I care for you. And he cared for my parents so much that he wanted them to have the, the respect and the care to be able to provide that for their kids, right? To have that ability to sign their name on that present. And so I, I, I share that story with you because it's such a, a, an awesome story of my grandfather's love, of his care for my family, for me, and it still affects me today. You know, this time of year is so great for sharing those kind of stories, those family stories that affect our lives even today. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing as we look at Jesus' story as well is how his story changed our lives, changed our destiny, and still affects us today. But one of the cool things that you guys are doing here at Imago is you're sharing about the gospel message from unique perspectives, from different places in the Bible. Not just going to the gospels and, and sharing the stories from there, but you're, you're looking at it from different vantage points. And so we're actually going to hear the, the, the good news, the, the gospel story, the, the birth of Jesus, and how it affects us from Galatians And we're going to start in chapter 3, verse 23, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 4, verse 7. We're going to kind of hit that whole section there. And we're going to see how God's story impacts our lives and changes our lives. And so we're going to read through it, and then we'll chunk it out after that. So this is what the word of the Lord says in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23 to 4, 7. It says, Before the coming of this faith... We were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came and we might be justified by faith. Now that, now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ, you are, you are children of God's faith. For all of you were baptized in, into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed, an heir according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when you, we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of this world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent his son's spirit into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's children. And since you are his children, God has made you also his heir. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Paul is writing here to the Galatian church. And so the Galatian church is uh, modern-day Turkey, is a way to kind of, you know, where in the world this is happening. And Paul is starting off by simply sharing a shared story For us, a shared story that we get to share in because of Jesus' love, because of our adoption. And so he starts off in Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. It says, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. What Paul is saying here is the reason why God gave us the law, gave us the instructions on how to live for Him, is because before that we had no bearings on what living for God looked like. Uh, beforehand, we didn't know right from wrong. We only really knew wrong. You know, we were stuck in so much wrongness that if someone would say "live for God," we would have been like, "What does that even mean? I don't understand." If if Jesus was there instead of the burning bush right, and he said, follow me, we would have been like, who are you? Uh, Why do we need you? We don't need you. We'll figure it out ourselves. So before we could live a holy and good life, uh, God had to give us his standards of living. And so the law there, Paul is saying, was there to teach us the standards, to teach us how to live for him. Now, the problem with that is that we are very inclined to sin, we just, we just are so good at it. We're naturals, it seems like. And so even when we tried to do our best, it was always tainted by some kind of sinfulness. We tried our best, well, then pride became an issue. And so we become prideful, we become hard-hearted, we didn't want to listen, all of those things start to pile up. So we could never save ourselves. And really, the law, Paul is saying, was not meant to do that. It was not supposed to be the way that we get to heaven. It was simply setting the standard. And what's amazing about that is all throughout the Old Testament, you'll see moments where God is also nudging us and saying, you're going to need a Savior. You're going to need someone to do this for you. And so uh, Paul is saying all throughout history, all throughout this time, the law was there to show us the standards that were there, but also start to just nudge us to the point to realize that we needed a Savior. Uh, There's this guy named Dave Dave Ramsey, and uh, he has this quote. Um, you know, I don't like everything he has to say, but he has a couple of really good quotes. Um, but one of the things that he says is you know, people don't change their habits until they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And really, uh, I think that that's where we were at with humanity. We tried for generations on generations on generations of trying to live for God, trying to live up to the standard. But we weren't going to admit that we needed a Savior until we were sick and tired of being sick and tired of our failures, of not being able to do it on our own that's when all of a sudden we realized we need help. We need to call out to God. We need to give up trying to do it ourselves and realize that God will provide the way for us to do it, which, again, he was pointing to the the whole time. We continue. It says in verse 25, it says, Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you were all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to his promise. Faith has now set us free from having to constantly go to the law and try to justify ourselves. Instead, now we go to Jesus and that relationship with him justifies us. It changes us. It alters us. And it's, it's him working through our lives that transforms our lives to live a new life, to live a holy life for him. It's his work, not our own. And what's amazing that Paul is saying here is, you know, your relationship with Jesus starts to become your primary identity. It becomes your true marker of who you are. And he says this defines you, this relationship with him defines you more than your race, your ethnicity, more than your social standard in in society, No, no matter your gender. It doesn't matter. Your relationship with God becomes your primary identity. And that's how we're defined as Christians. And what I love about that is when that becomes your number one Well, everything else, we can still celebrate those things. Those are still good things. But we have more in common because of our relationship with Jesus than any of those other things. I can stand next to another 36-year-old male, half Hispanic, half white, and and same social economics. And I can have less in common than I do with any of my Christian brothers and sisters. Because my, my faith is my primary identity. It's what makes me me. And so uh, I think of it this way. If you were to get together with all of my, uh, my siblings, and I have several of them, um, <laughs> many, many families, um, uh, so if you got us all in one room, you would see that we are very different. You know, I have a sister um, who does ag. She teaches ag down south. She's an ag teacher. She's always on the farm. She's always covered in mud and other things. Um, and, and she loves that, right? She has so much joy uh, doing that. And, and then there's me. I'm a city boy through and through, right? I can go to a farm, I can appreciate you guys who work on farms and I'm glad you do it. I could not do what you do, all right? I'll fully admit that, I don't need to be a macho man. That's all you, all right? Stick behind the computer with my Wi-Fi. that's what I love, right? We're completely different, but I love her so much. She brings me so much joy because of our family bond that we have there. We don't sit there and I don't say, you're weird, right? I mean, I do because I'm a bigger brother, but so that was a bad example. But we have that love for one another, and our differences are highlighted and we're celebrated, but that love is there because of that a big, you know, connection that we have. And that's the same thing that we have in faith, in the church. We can look at each other. We can love each other. We can truly care for each other, not because we vote the same, but because we serve the same God. And that's what church is supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to be like. And so we celebrate that. And that's what Paul is saying is no, no matter what, what are the things that you have out there, what's our primary thing is that Christ loves us, that he cares for us, that he's adopted us into his family. Paul puts it in a, a different term. He kind of references uh, something a little bit different about our relationship with God before Jesus in chapter 4, verses 1. He says, what I am saying is that as long as, you, long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, there, the, the heir is subject to a guardian and trustee until the time set by his father. So also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Paul is likening our relationship with God... Similar to an heir waiting for his moment to get everything that belongs to him. he said, you know, you've always belonged to God. You've always been his. You just didn't live like that until a set time, until a set time where he would help you to understand that he would awaken you to that truth, until Jesus would come. And before that, we were stuck under the law where he was trying to teach us, to guide us on how we ought to live. But until that right moment came, we were stuck behind The law, the the relationship wasn't quite there. What Paul is saying is then that moment would come and everything would change. Once that set date by the Father would come, everything would change. Y'all ready for Christmas? Here it is, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. It says, but when the set time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent his spirit uh, of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's children. And since you are his children, God has made you also his heir. At just the right time, God the Son, born of a virgin, born in a little town of Bethlehem, uh, born in a majors, the Son uh, of God, born in the humblest of ways, celebrated by the marginalized and heavenly hosts. What a party. Born a king of kings. The child's name is Jesus, and he changed everything, and it's his birth that separates time itself. Before his birth and after his birth is how we check our time. In life we lived, uh, he lived, uh, his life he lived perfect accordance to God's holy law. No sin would he commit, but death on the cross would be his gift of salvation for you and me. You see, he took on himself our sins and substituted his perfect life for our imperfect life. After three days, though, he rose from the dead. And uh, the women went to his tomb to go and do the, the normal, traditional things of just uh, caring for his body. But they were shocked when they got there, and the tomb was empty. The, the Jesus, the Son of God, was not there. He rose from the grave. He appeared to them numerous times, numerous times to different people. And, and he, he walked with them, he talked with them, he ate with them, he let them touch his wounds. He was there physically with them, but he was transformed. He was different, and they saw that constantly. And at the end, before he rose to heaven, he said this from Matthew 28, verse 17 through 20. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because of Jesus' death and beautiful resurrection, we now live in a new relationship with God. You know, verse 5, it says adoption to sonship. We should understand that that no, that's not just for the guys, right? That's for everyone. Some translations will say to, to his children, we are his children. And the reason why I like that, that version of those sonship is because back then that came with a, a promise. That was like a, a legal standard. If you were the son, you were going to get an inheritance. You were promised things because of that. And what he's saying there is you, men and women of God, are given not just a word, not just a name, but you're giving a promise of inheritance to you. It's a legal standard. You are now heirs to his kingdom. He has adopted us sons and daughters, and now we pray to God in a new way, saying, Abba, Father, Dad. That's how we know him. Not a distant God who's far away that we have to appease, but we know him just like our own dads. We are his children and his heirs to the kingdom of God. See, more than I want you to remember my grandfather's story, is I want you to remember and reflect on this shared story that we have in God. That Jesus' story came down, that he came down from heaven, was born and changed it all for us. And he does that in each of our lives here today as well. Each of our lives can be different because he comes down and he changes our lives. gives us a new hope and a new way to live. And I want to invite you guys, my challenge for you guys is this, is find ways to allow this story to be celebrated through this season. How can you help your household, your, your, your traditions, to have Jesus more at the center of it? Maybe it's simply just reading the story, the, the story of Jesus' birth, before you open the gifts, or at dinner, or wherever you want to uh, implement that. But make his story more a part of your celebration where your kids can hear it, where they can memorize it, where they can know it, where in in five to six years where they can roll their eyes at it because we're doing it again. I want them to be that familiar with it, right? Where they're just like, yes, I know that Jesus came. And you're like, yes, yes, I want you to know that. I want you to hear that so much. So make it more a part of your story. Maybe it's, it's doing that, and then as they get older, or just with your family of older people, you share how his story transforms your story. You, know, you share your testimonies at your celebration this Christmas, where you share how God interrupted your life. How beautiful would that be, church, for us just to be able to share the, the stories, for your kids, for your friends to know your story so well that they can find hope in it. Amen. I would love to see that in our traditions uh, as a church. Where God is, is being talked about from the past today, and that He's still doing good work for tomorrow. That's kind of His whole stick of Jesus. He didn't just do a live a perfect life and then go to heaven, but His story continues to transform our life. How amazing would it be for us not just to share Jesus' story, uh, birth story, but share how His story has changed our lives? So I want to invite you to give gifts, uh, you know, have fun, enjoy the calories. But through that process, let us also care and love, and remember His story, to care about that He cared about us enough to come, to die, to rise, and welcome us, welcome us to do the same. Let's pray. God, we thank you for Your story. We thank you for Your good news. We thank you for Your hope and joy. God, I thank you that uh, right now that we can hear Your story and that we know that You have provided a way for us to be connected to you. God, I pray right now that anyone who just needs to remember that today, would, you would, they would feel it in their hearts. They'd feel you in their hearts, God. Help us to live a new life for you. Transform our lives. Sanctify us. Help us to live a new life in you. God, I pray also right now that you'd help us to find ways to share your story with those people around us those people that you've planted around us, strategically planted around us, God, to help us to find ways to be your light and your love and your hope to them, to shine the, the, your, your light into their dark mm-hmm. lives. God, I thank you so much for everything, for your story. How it has a ripple effect through time itself and it keeps changing lives over and over, generation to generation. So God, we lift up our kids in this church. We lift up the families and we just pray that you would help us to be able to share the tradition of you with them. And I pray for those who are struggling this time of year. Who have felt the darkness, the the unhope, the the depression, the anxiety, the fear starting to overtake them. God, help them to hang on to you, Jesus, because you are our hope. You are our joy. You are our new family adoption, God. You give us your inheritance to help us to live those new lives for you, Jesus. And it's your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.